Hello, junkies. Welcome to episode numero dos of The Gangster. We have old school GFL action for you today, and along with it, old school promos. Remember back in the early days of podcasting, where almost every podcast you listened to had promos for other podcasts? You used to hear it on my podcast all the time. Well, this week, kicking it old school, we have two promos for you, one for the Angry Ninja podcast and one for 19 Nocturne Boulevard. We will run both of those at the very end of this cast, right before our outro music. If you haven't heard, Mount Fitzroy is up at Audible. The sequel to EarthCore is crushing it. Currently number nine in science fiction in Audible, and we have over 100 reviews, the vast majority of those five stars. If you are finished with Fitzroy, please go rate and review it over at Audible. We would appreciate that. That helps us quite a lot. If you're listening to Fitzroy actively in the in the depths of that deep, 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 deep story, remember when you're done to go rate and review. Again, that helps us out a lot. If you don't have Audible and you want Mount Fitzroy, like you just can't stand it, you got the shakes, like a rock to pie tickling at your, at your ears, you know what I'm saying? Get that itchy feeling. You can get it for free over at scottsigler.com slash audible. The offer there is only applicable for people who don't already have an Audible account. If you do have an Audible account, burn one of those credits, go get yourself Mount Fitzroy. People seem to dig it, and we're very happy about that. There is one ad that will appear somewhere around the middle of this episode. Be patient. Doesn't take very long, and the ad is read by moi, so you get to hear this lovely, mellifluous voice. I sound like a, I sound like a debutante at a party. I'm so pretty. I'm so gosh darn pretty. That's enough jibber-jab for now. I'm going to hit you with a story so far, and then we're going to dive right into The Gangster. Greedock the Splithead, owner of the INF Krakens, is dead set on finding out who was behind Jonathan Sandoval's attack on the touchback, the Krakens team bus, an attack that resulted in the death of INF coach Hokor the Hookchest. Greedock is also faced with the possibility of replacing Quentin Barnes, the Krakens standout quarterback that has led the team to two consecutive GFL titles. Why replace Barnes? Because the gunslinger from McCovey has an arm injury that could end his career. Just how bad is that injury? Find out next on The Gangster, episode number two. Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com slash store. Injuries. It should have been the greatest time of his life. Three days since his team had won the GFL championship. A second straight Galaxy Bowl victory, a feat only accomplished twice before in league history. A third title for the INF franchise. Rarefied air. In a perfect reality, Quentin Barnes would be celebrating with his friends and family. Endless media interviews, reveling in the moment, Raising the hard work and sacrifice of his teammates, telling the universe how proud he was that the woman he loved had delivered against all odds and been named Galaxy Bowl MVP. If life had taught him anything, it was this. Perfect did not exist. The victory, the glory, he couldn't enjoy any of it. 
a cornerstone of his life's very foundation had been ripped away. And another, the most important of all, his very reason for being, perhaps, was at risk. Coach was dead. And, possibly, so was Quentin's football career. So he wasn't celebrating. He wasn't with John and Jew, wasn't with Ma Tweedy and his sister Janine, wasn't with Becca. He was in a hospital gown, his naked butt on an exam table, the exam room's cool temperature raising goosebumps on his skin. You're saying you agree with Doc Pata, Quentin said. You don't think I can play again. Doc Anagati didn't answer right away. She was a hurrah, like Pata and most GFL doctors. Ganagati hovered in midair, wings undulating gently. The hurrah species had evolved on a gas giant planet. They had almost no reason to rest on a chair, a couch, the ground, or any flat surface. Hurrah always floated. Let me finish the exam, Ganagati said. Then we will discuss it. Her words came not from her wide mouth, but from speaker foam lining the white box strapped to her broad back. Enameled on the box's flat top, the GFL's red and blue logo. Finish the exam. When would that be? He'd been aboard the regulator for days, most of that time spent in deep rejuve. To him, it felt like the Galaxy Bowl had ended yesterday. Pata's words rang in Quentin's thoughts, as crystal clear as if they'd been recorded on Datacube. There is no recovery from an injury of this kind. You will never again throw with any degree of accuracy, let alone the pinpoint targeting that made you what you were. Your career is over. It might as well have been a death sentence. Ganagati wanted to talk about it later. These damn doctors, with their evasiveness and doublespeak. They worked in safe white rooms, like this one. They had no idea what it meant to step onto the gridiron and do battle against the galaxy's greatest athletes, against killers who came at you play after play after play. Quentin faced potentially lethal threats on every single snap, yet he lived for the game, for the thrill of each pass, each run, each tackle, for the roar of the crowd, for seeing his foes slump when they finally accepted that he'd defeated them. Could his career really be over? I want your prognosis, Quentin said. Not later, right now. The tips of Ganagati's mouth flaps pressed together. I do not appreciate your tone, Mr. Barnes. One slap from him would send her careening into the racks of medical equipment mounted to the wall. She'd used up what little patience he had left. His very existence was on the line. I don't care what you appreciate, doctor. Tell me. Ganagati's sensory pits widened slightly. And if I don't, you'll threaten me, like you did with Dr. Pratah? Quentin leaned back, felt his fury, fury he hadn't been aware of, drain away. In its place, embarrassment and guilt. I'm sorry, he said. I didn't mean to come across like that. Her mouth flaps tapped together twice, the hurrah equivalent of a nod. Take a moment to get yourself under control, she said. I am almost finished with the exam. Wings rippling, Ganagati floated to a row of holotanks. She called up diagnostic scans of Quentin's body. Quentin hung his head, the memory of a shameful moment making his face flush with heat. 
Cross me and I'll kill you. In a rage, he'd said those words to Doc Patah, forcing the doctor's promise to keep Quentin's arm injury a secret. Patah, a trusted friend, a confidant, and Quentin had threatened his life. With good reason? Maybe. If Greedock the Splithead suspected Quentin's football career was over, the Quith leader might come after not only him, but all the sentients he loved. But now Quentin was here, on the regulator, while Patah was probably back on Ionath. On Ionath. With Greedock. Would Patah keep his medical opinion to himself? Quentin could only hope. Not that it really mattered anymore. Ganagati was the league's chief physician. If she said Quentin could still play, that trumped anything Patah had to say. If she felt Quentin was finished, it would get back to Greedock sooner rather than later. Quentin wished Becca was beside him. She, Fred, and Shoto were in the Hypatia, Quentin's yacht, which was docked in the regulator's landing bay. Rose hadn't asked Quentin's permission to move him and the Hypatia to the regulator, but Quentin didn't mind. Considering that someone wanted him dead, hiding inside a battleship seemed like a prudent move. The door to Ganagati's exam room slid open. GFL Commissioner Rob Froh strode in as if he was seven feet tall, twice his actual height. The door slid shut behind him. Ganagati shot across the room, her rippling wings a blur of motion. She stopped sharply in front of Froh. You do not enter my exam room unannounced. I am with a patient. Froh wore a white button-down shirt and a red tie embroidered with the GFL logo. Quentin thought of the outfit as Froese's uniform, considering the short human never seemed to wear anything else. Even Froese's teeth were red, a strange physical feature Quentin had yet to see in any other human. You work for me, Ganagati, Froese said. Do you forget that? A situation that will be instantly remedied should you ever again interrupt the sanctity of my exam room. Do you understand? Froese stared at her for a moment, then glanced at Quentin. Quentin shrugged. Don't look at me, Kamish. She just put me in my place a few seconds ago. Ganagati had stood up to Greedock the Splithead. Quentin had seen it with his own eyes. It should have come as no surprise she would not back down from Froese, even though the half-sized human was her boss. Answer me, she said to Froese. Do you want me to continue as your chief physician? The commissioner scowled, but caved. I do. Then you will not do this again, Ganagati said. Correct? Froese sighed. I won't do it again. Quentin felt a surge of respect for, and a bit of dread about, Ganagati. That Froese would kowtow to her showed the commissioner thought she was the best in the business, that he needed her skills and expertise. If she really was that good, and she thought Quentin's career was truly over? Frost jerked a thumb toward Quentin. I want an update on him. The hurrah spun away from the commissioner, returned to her holotanks. You'll get your update when I am finished. Leave. I don't mind if he stays, Quentin said. You'll tell him the results anyway. Ganagati hovered silently for a moment. Very well, she said. Let me give you the overall results first. She was going to drag this out even further? Quentin felt his anger rise. He controlled it, calmed himself. The pain of losing Hokor had him on edge. 
every emotion felt raw, undiluted. Quentin would not be the puppet of his emotions. He would master them. After all, he'd learn from the best. He'd learned from Greedock, the Splithead. Most of Mr. Barnes's injuries are significant but manageable, Ganagati said. The broken right clavicle is healing. I expect full range of motion to return in four days, as long as he continues six hours of daily rejuve therapy. Four more days of sitting in the rejuve tank? Not what Quentin had hoped to hear. But if that's what it took, that's what it took. He'd hurt the collarbone during the Galaxy Bowl, possibly fracturing it before finally breaking it with his game-ending sack of Jack's quarterback, Don Pine. As for the hip bursitis, Ganagati said, it should heal in a week or so. Quentin's eyebrows rose. I have hip bursitis? Significantly so, Ganagati said. Is there a reason you tried to hide your hip pain from me? The hip had hurt, but after the game, just about everything had hurt. I don't know, Quentin said. It, well, it didn't cross my mind. The next time a doctor asks you what hurts, perhaps you should spend a moment thinking about your answer, Ganagati said. You football players assume that living with pain is normal. It is not. Fro suggested his tie. Can we please get to the real problem? Problems, Ganagati said. Plural. The nerve damage to the left arm is an issue, but so, too, are the repeated concussions. Mr. Barnes, it is my responsibility to inform you that you are already showing signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Froese shook his head. This again? So Barnes suffers CTE. So what? Every human player in the game does. Post-career treatment is excellent. And not always successful, Ganagati said. Mods to the human brain carry their own risks. Retired GFL players had access to the same medical technology legally available to any sentient in Kretorakian space. But active players? Not a chance. Active players were forbidden from using any artificial body modification technology. Doing so brought the risk of being kicked out of the league, or worse. Kretorakians showed zero tolerance. That meant players had to live with injuries that could otherwise be cured, including possible brain damage. Those injuries were part of the game. In the GFL, pain was the price of admission. Quentin was only 23 years old. With any luck, he could keep playing for another 15 or 20 years, maybe even another 30 before he retired. I'm aware of the CTE risk, he said. I'm aware of the concussion issues. Please, doctor, can we get on with this? Ganagati's mouth flaps tapped together. Quentin got the impression she'd had a similar talk many times with many players and received basically the same answer over and over again. Every snap of the ball brought with it the possibility of on-field death. GFL players held no illusions about their chosen way of life. Very well, she said. As for your throwing arm, Dr. Patah is correct that the nerve damage is severe. It is inoperable by current standard procedures. A coldness shot through Quentin's chest. He'd refused to believe Patah was right. If Ganagati agreed with him... Current standard procedures, Fro said. Is there something that's not standard? Ganagati paused. For the first time, the hurrah seemed uncomfortable. 
There is something new, she said. An experimental procedure for repairing nerve tissue at the atomic level. Sign me up! Quen slid off the exam table. It felt good to stand on his feet again. He'd been sitting on the table so long, his butt was going numb. It is not that simple, Ganagati said. The screening process eliminates most candidates. 96% of those considered weren't suitable for the procedure. Quentin gestured to the rows of equipment against the wall. So screen me. Let's get on with it. There is only one facility that can do the screening and the procedure as well, Ganagati said. It's on Earth. Quentin shrugged. I don't care if it's all the way out on the reef. Let's do it. Hold on, Froze said. Right now you're safe here on the regulator. There are sentients who want you dead. A trip to Earth is risky. You comfortable with that? Was this really so hard for Ganagati and Frost to understand? Quentin didn't care about being safe. Without football, what was the point of living? I'll go in secret. I've got people to protect me. The real risk isn't in the trip, Ganagati said. Twelve individuals have undergone this procedure. One person was cured, a success rate of under 10%. As for the other 11, the procedure made their situation worse. So much so that four of the patients later committed suicide. There was nothing we could do to mitigate their pain. They'd killed themselves? Quentin tried to imagine how much pain someone would have to be in to make that choice. A lot. But if it was consistent, nonstop pain, and there was no way to reduce it, then maybe it wouldn't take all that much. But that wouldn't happen to him. Frost tilted his head. Doc, you used the word we. Let me guess. The only place that can do the procedure is Randall Hospital? Correct, Ganagati said. Frost turned to Quentin. Ganagati owns the place. I'm a partner, the hurrah said. I don't own it outright. The commissioner waved a hand dismissively. I don't care who owns it, and I don't care what this procedure costs. If there's any chance for Barnes to play again... We need to pursue it. Quentin nodded. At least Frost understood what really mattered. Ganagati clearly did not. I realize the GFL is a business commissioner, but the probability is that Mr. Barnes will not be suitable for the procedure. If he is, his chance of being cured is statistically small, while his chance of ending up in incurable, agonizing pain is statistically high. Commissioner, are you certain you want to take that chance with such a popular player? Wouldn't he be of more value to you retired than dead? Retired? At 23? Even with a pair of championships under his belt, Quentin knew he had yet to reach his prime as a quarterback. So many years left. He needed more. When he finally hung up his cleats, he wanted there to be no question that he was the GOAT. The greatest of all time. The choice is his, of course, Froze said. But as the commissioner of the league, I'm willing to exhaust all possibilities. Barnes isn't just another player. He is, without a doubt, the most well-known sentient being in history. Before Barnes joined the upper tiers, the GFL was already the galaxy's most popular sport. We were seeing small, incremental viewership increases. Since he's come on the scene, our ratings have gone up, season after season, by double digits. 
Over 1 billion replica Barnes jerseys have sold. The bids for broadcast rights of the upcoming GFL season will be triple what they were just five seasons ago. Ganagati's hollow body shivered. She was angry. Mr. Barnes is a sentient being, she said, her words as sharp as the needle she'd used to draw Quentin's blood. Isn't his life more valuable than his ability to throw a football? Frost loosened his tie. It is my job to increase the value of the league. As far as the GFL is concerned, keeping Quentin Barnes on the field is worth any risk. The commissioner spoke as if Quentin was a piece of machinery, not a living, feeling, sentient being. Many people would consider Frost a monster for thinking that way, but not Quentin. Frost was a realist. He was honest. To the GFL, Quentin was a commodity, not a person. And that was fine. Let me at least do the scan, Quentin said. If I'm not suitable for the procedure, then that's that. If I am, we can make our decision. Ganagati shivered again. We will do the scan. Froese nodded. Good. Right now, the only people who know Quentin is going to Earth are in this room. Let's keep it that way. At the regulator's next punch stop, I'll disembark, Ganagati said. I'll travel to Earth. I'll set up a false patient record and make sure no one in the hospital knows Barnes is coming. Once he arrives, I can do nothing to hide someone so recognizable. That works, Froese said. Barnes, I'll arrange a non-GFL ship to take you to Earth, and I'll handpick a group of bodyguards as your escort. Sentience I know I can trust. Quentin would tongue-kiss the low one before he'd let that happen. You might trust them, but I don't. I'm taking the Hypatia. Shoto, Becca, and my pilot will go with me. Froese didn't bother arguing. I'll see if I can arrange a false temporary registration for your yacht, he said. At least no one will see the ship's real name. Nothing we can do about how it looks, though. Are you sure you can't take another ship? Froese was right about the Hypatia's appearance. The Portath had upgraded the vessel, coating it in platinum iridium armor. The Hypatia now looked more like an alien warship than the pleasure yacht it had once been. My yacht or nothing, Quentin said. I've been through a lot with that ship. I'll leave at the regulator's next punch-out. Might as well head for Earth as soon as possible and get this thing done. Froese's expression softened. Barnes, you've been out of it for a few days. Our next stop is for a whole course solidity ceremony. Solidity ceremony. Quentin didn't know what it was exactly other than the basics. It was the quith equivalent of a funeral. Grief crushed him all over again. After the service, then. I'll leave when it's done. In the meantime, Froese said, you have obligations to the League. The media is screaming for interviews with the two-time champ. The media? As if Quentin needed to face that multi-headed monster right now. No, Quentin said. No interviews. Froese rubbed his face. He seemed exhausted. Barnes, you have to do interviews. The Galaxy's Greatest Sports Show won't take no for an answer. And GNN is doing a cover story on your impact on the purest nation. They want a response for a piece that's running next month. Not to mention Yolanda Davenport. And no, Quentin said. No interviews. You don't like it? Then kick me out of the league. Two championships and being considered a priceless commodity brought with it significant power. It was high time Quentin used that power. 
froze side, rolled his neck left, then right. Quentin heard Bones pop. All right, Barnes, the commissioner said. No interviews. I know you're going through a lot. I'm sorry to make you go through more, but I need to see you in my office. Alone. Quentin was hanging on by a thread. The pain of losing Coach threatened to overwhelm him. Sir, it's not good for me to be alone right now. I need to bring Becca. He needed her strength. Fine, Fro said. As soon as you're done with the exam, Wycor the Aware will come for you in Montaigne. You and I have a lot to cover. Frost walked out, leaving Quentin alone with Ganagati. He looked at the doctor, floating there, watched her skin stretch across her ribs as she breathed. My career is over, Quentin said. That's what you think, right? He didn't want to know what she really thought. He had to know what she really thought. Mr. Barnes, I will do everything in my ability to help you. The lack of a straightforward answer told him everything. She was wrong. He would show her. He would show Doc Patah. He would show them all. Now, a quick word about this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, one of those things is a lifelong battle with ADD, the inability to focus, the inability to keep track of things. But now I am getting professional help from BetterHelp. BetterHelp will help assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have counselors that can help you with depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping problems, trauma, anger issues, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. You connect in a safe and private online environment. It is so convenient. You can start communicating with someone who can help you in under 24 hours. This is professional counseling. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Anything you share is confidential. Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. If you've got issues that are getting in the way of your happiness, consider giving BetterHelp a shot. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Sigler. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sigler, which is S-I-G-L-E-R. But you knew that. Let's get back to the gangster. Exalted. Missal slid through the chamber doors, followed by a tall, thin, balding human male dressed in a white suit. The human carried a small black case. He smiled a false smile. Mr. Zogby to see you, Shamakath. Leave us, Greedock said. Missal left the chamber, silently closing the doors behind him. Greedock, hello, hello, Zogby said. I wanted to let you know personally that the championship rings will be ready shortly after Horkor's solidity service. The human paused, perhaps waiting for an answer. Greedock said nothing. Zogby had been paid to design and finish the rings. He did not deserve praise for simply doing his job. Ah, well then, the man said. I have a new setting to show you. I think you will be very pleased. 
Zogby approached the base of Greedock's pedestal. He opened the case, held it up for Greedock to see. A gleaming necklace. Stunning craftsmanship. Undoubtedly the work of a male Sklorno's tiny, delicate tentacles. Rhodium, most likely, engraved with lines of abentium, a metal found only on Orbital Station 3, Hokor's homeworld. A lovely touch. The necklace was exceptional, and yet not quite right. The Christeel statue of Hokor was one thing, open to the vagaries and interpretations of a galactic-class artiste, but the hook-chess final solidity would be with Greedock at all times. As such, it deserved a place of the highest honor of ultimate grandeur. This setting is not exalted enough. Greedock stared at the human jeweler. Do you not understand the importance of Hokor the hook-chest? Zogby was nodding before Greedock finished his question. Oh, yes, of course, of course, Zogby said. Exalted. A powerful word. I should have had that word in my head from the beginning. I sincerely apologize for missing the mark. I will have more settings shipped here immediately. Far better settings, I assure you. Zogby closed the case. His trembling hands held it against his chest. Sweat on his upper lip, on his nose, on his forehead, on his scalp that carried only a few long strands of thin hair. Greedock heard the man's hammering heart, examined his dilated pupils. Better settings, Greedock said. Considering the priceless value of my time, I find it interesting that you did not bring your best choices from the very start. Or do you think that I am so bereft with grief that I am susceptible to purchasing a lesser quality piece? Zogby blinked rapidly. He reeked of fear. Beauty is subjective, Greedock. I have shown you what I thought were our most stunning pieces, but now I clearly see I evaluated quality with my paltry human eyes. I did not properly consider the exacting standards of a high-ranking quith leader. This time, I, w- I will bring everything we have, and hopefully there will be something to your liking. A self-deprecating apology worthy of the most fawning quith worker. Greedock admired Zogby's efforts to stay in good graces. See that you do, the leader said. You would hate to lose my business. Zogby nodded violently, enough to make his thin strands of hair fall out of place. Of course, Greedock, you are our most important customer, after all. The human swept his hand over his head, smoothing the hair back into place. A suitable approximation of the quith subservient gesture of sweeping back antennae. Zogby bowed as he shuffled backward, away from the pedestal. Still backing up, still bowing, he walked out of the chamber doors and was gone. Hokor's solidity setting had to be perfect. Nothing else would do. And the ceremony, it had to be a spectacular affair. With the attack on the touchback and with Barnes and the regulator, Greedock had undoubtedly lost face. Public perception mattered. The galaxy needed a reminder of the Splithead's power and influence. The chamber doors opened. Massal came through, alone. Alone and clearly frightened. Shamakath, a message from Commissioner Frost just arrived via Courier Express. Most galactic communication took place via punch relay, a chain of FTL-capable beacons that were timed on specific departure schedules. 
The Beacon stored local messages and broadcast information, received data from beacons arriving from other systems, then punched to the next point where the stored information was quickly transmitted to a soon-departing beacon, which punched out to yet another system. That allowed data to move far faster than it could on one beacon, since a single beacon, like every other FTL-capable ship, had to recharge its drives between punches. The Data Express system was like the relay system, except that it was for specific, highly important, private data, the kind of information you didn't want stored on any public system. If you wanted to send a confidential message across the galaxy as fast as possible, you had to use a Data Express carrier. Extremely costly. That type of communication was usually limited to governments or broadcast networks carrying timely information such as major news developments or critical sports games. Punch relay data transfer was expensive. Data transfer via express system, far more so. The priciest method of all, sending a sentient being via courier express. Data could be instantly transmitted from an arriving beacon to a departing one. Living beings could not. Couriers needed to board a ship, punch to the next location, then transfer to another waiting ship. That reduced the downtime of each stop from several hours to, usually, 30 minutes or less. Depending on how far the courier needed to travel, a trip could involve five, six, even seven separate punch-capable ships. Possibly more. Greedock himself had traveled via express relay several times when he wanted to ensure the intended recipient couldn't pretend an electronic communique had never arrived or to make sure there was no electronic copy of the message. In two instances, Greedock had traveled via express relay to make sure he reached a particular sentient before any warning signal could. Surprise always proved to be a satisfying advantage. But the cost of such expedited travel. Fro sent an actual messenger, Greedock said. To me. This must be important. It is, Shamakath. It's about... about... The worker began to tremble. Bad news. Enough to make him fear Greedock's response. Out with it, the leader said. A curl of pink danced across Masal's cornea. Shamakath, it is about Hokor's solidity ceremony. Hurry, hurry, step right up. The most amazing tales appear before your very eyes. Gathered from the four corners of Earth and brought here to you at 19 Nocturne Boulevard. See the famous man-eating book of Sumatra. (laughs) Or a phantom direct from merry old England. Or aliens from beyond the stars. Even such as these cannot withstand our platinum death ray. Yes, our platinum death ray! All these and more spread out before you. And all we ask is a moment of your time. Spin the wheel and take a chance. Try your luck! www.19nocturneboulevard.net
It's the ninja from the Ask the Angry Ninja Show saying, come listen to the show. We got the ninja wife to give you your movie reviews. We got the conscript to give you the ninja news. And we got the battle to talk about your sports. And as always, it is the Ask the Angry Ninja Show. So ask me a question and we'll give you the ninja knowledge you need for your ninja life. Search for us anywhere you get your podcast from. Just search for the Ask the Angry Ninja Show and enjoy the show. You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. Copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song Heaven's a Lie by the band Lacuna Coil. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.